episode 10 of the Fantasy Front Office Podcast for the week of June 5th, 2017. In the front office with me are Phil and Keith. All right, and to kick off today's show, we've got some news that broke over the weekend. Albert Pujols has now joined the 600 Club. Any thoughts on this, guys? Being a guy from St. Louis, it's, it's really painful to watch him just creep to these milestones when you thought he was going to just glide past them. It's sad to see how he was so predominant of a hitter and now he's he's just a brittle old man that's not even that old so it's it's more sad to me than anything but it's pretty exciting at the same time yeah my thoughts go to who is going to be the next one to hit 600 um is it going to be you know somebody that's a little bit older or are we going to look towards you know some of the youth that are in the game right now like bryce harper and manny machado um that's kind of where my thoughts go but absolutely incredible career for pujol so far it's been a, a lot of fun watching him and he's an incredible hitter i have the same feeling as you phil because we we face the same thing with randy johnson like he was getting up the they're getting close and some deals were made and he ended up crossing those thresholds in another uniform as yeah. as a brittle old man. And yeah, and that's not and that's not fun for anybody to watch. Not as a, not as a fan of, you know, the Angels or a fan of the Cardinals right now. Neither one of us want to watch a guy that it's limping around the bases, he can barely walk, things like that. I mean, it would have been really fun if he would have never had that plantar fasciitis to see where what he could have done cuz for, for that 10-year stretch, I, I think you could argue that that was the best 10-year stretch of any player ever. It's it's absolute greatness that you've seen, but it's just sad how it ended up. Agreed. All right, this will kick off our first topic. We're going to go to Phil with some hot and cold. For these topics, I'm going to try to stick to people that are available in most leagues. In the first case, it's going to be Domingo Santana. He's owned in only 30% of leagues on Yahoo right now. In the last 30 days, and these are going to be the splits for everybody the last 30 he has a 309 batting average, 383 on base, 18 runs scored, five home runs, 19 RBIs, and uh, one stolen base. So he's pretty much contributing all across the board. He's doing exactly what you've wanted, other than you were probably hoping for a couple more stolen bases to be chipped in here and there. Any thoughts on him so far this year, Keith? I'm excited because I think I've talked about in, in past shows, he's a player that I invested heavily in, in in a lot of my leagues. It's been a slow start to the season, but it's no surprise that he started to kind of pick things up he's got a good power speed combo he's playing in one of the best parks we have in baseball i expect him to continue what he's doing and, and put up good numbers maybe the rest of the season yeah i 100 agree with that i think he's one of the guys that's keeping lewis brenson down in the minor leagues uh, we were just talking about him off the air whit merrifield is another guy that he's actually come came out of nowhere pretty much and has been just dominating he's only 22 percent owned right now on yahoo in the last 30 days he's batting 352 with a 400 on base only has 12 runs scored but he does have the four home runs 11 rbis and five stolen bases as a second baseman those are some useful stats all the way across the board i know he's playing for a pretty terrible team for the royals but i mean it doesn't matter where the stats come from you know every team has has numbers that come up what's going on with him so far this year keith he's kind of an interesting guy he's got six home runs in the season six stolen bases i guess for me i worry about what his his end of the season upside could be um what do you guys think you know a, a decent line would look like you mentioned he's playing on a bad team you know his runs and rbis are going to be suppressed probably uh, what do you guys think best case scenario for for, for what is i mean th- this past month you could say exactly what you were just talking about is that the runs and rbis have, have been down but he's still produced you know some solid batting average some solid home runs and stolen base numbers 
I think kind of a best case scenario would be a 2020 season. Maybe what's his batting average at right now for the season? Uh, 307. 307. I think maybe a 285 batting average at the end of the year, 290 with a 2020 season attached to it. I think that would be kind of a best case scenario for him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just a little bit skeptical. I, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't know that he's a big prospect guy. I don't think that he comes with a big pedigree playing on a bad team. It's just, I guess, probably not somebody that I'm going to invest in heavily. It, he's only owned in about, uh, you know, 20 to 40 percent of leagues, depending upon what league you're playing in or what where you're playing. But in, in second base or outfield or wherever, he's probably playing utility for you. There's so many options. I'm probably not investing too heavily in Merrifield right now. Yeah. Now, the, ne- the next guy I kind of threw on this list just to uh, listen to Jeremy and uh, Keith go back and forth again. So Aaron Hicks, you guys go at it. Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> joking. Uh, th- 325 batting average, uh, 423 on base, 16 runs, three home runs, 19 RBIs, and four stolen bases uh, over the last 30 days. Again, you know, he's a guy that he's a little bit more owned right now, about 67%. I did want to get him in because we did have such a heated debate last time. And uh, it's something where he's he has done very well since that last debate. And I just wanted to kind of see if uh, maybe Keith has changed his tune a little bit or if it's something where he's still firm in the sand on that one. So let's let's have at it, guys. Keith, you want to start with the negative? <laughs> well, it's not all negative. Or are you coming around? Well, I, I'm coming around to him making a conscious effort to have better plate discipline. Now, obviously, he's made improvements to his plate discipline. My concern is his his batted ball profile. I don't think he has the power to, to sustain any type of real home run potential. The counter argument of that is Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium rules all. I, I get that, but his average exit velocity is 85 miles an hour. There's probably half of the pitchers in the National League that have a better exit velocity than 85 miles an hour. I think you're just pulling stuff out of your ass that one uh, but to be fair that that's not the greatest of exit velocity but at the same time i mean he he is making solid contact though i mean you have to give him that plus he's taking his walks so obviously he's swinging at the right pitches and and you know not swinging at the bad ones plus he's in a pretty awesome lineup and and if, if he sticks in the lineup is the only concern that we that i personally had uh during the last debate because it looks like ellsbury's got some concussion issues going on and they were going to try to get him started back up and those are having headaches again so they're shutting him down for they said it looked like an extended period of time so he looks like he's got the job for right now and i think that he's going to succeed in it and i think that maybe not you know to the tune of 325 423 kind of on base batting average slash but i think he can give you some useful numbers because he does contribute all across the board he's got the the home runs he's got the stolen bases and in that lineup he's going to have some run production too so i just think that he was a guy that i would definitely try to target you know who he kind of reminds me of? i don't know where you're getting your stats there keith his exit velocity is at 88 still <laughs> you did that last time Okay, I'm, I'm pulling my stats directly, directly off BaseballSavant.com. So if you want to double check them, go double check them. I mean, it's okay. like two days. It's two days old, but his exit velocity hasn't changed by three miles an hour in two, yeah. since Friday. I'm pulling it straight off of MLB with their StatCast numbers. So I know, which the StatCast numbers are, are usually higher than what Baseball Savant is. I don't know why, but they're a little bit inflated on MLB.com than what they are on Baseball Savant. All right, so with Hicks, his launch angle does give me a little worry. I mean, I am the owner of him at the 
moment. So he's floating in the 11-12 range. For power numbers, you want that to float more 12 to 16, which means you're getting good, solid contact, but it's not showing that he's not getting good contact. Yeah, his, li- his line drive rate is okay. His ground ball to fly ball rate is not good, like you're saying, which is another way of measuring, you know, the launch angle. Um, the, the one thing he's doing really well is he's walking a lot. He kind of reminds me of last year's Odebel Herrera, where out of nowhere, he made a conscious effort to, to walk a ton. He was leading the majors for like, I think, three or four months, and it kind of came out of nowhere. And at the same point, he was hitting for a little bit more power than we were used to seeing. His batting average was inflated. He was still stealing bases. Aaron Hicks kind of reminds me of last year's Odebel Herrera. See, what I the, the thing that I'm actually intrigued with is that he's not buying in it looks like at least to the fly ball revolution but he's still barreling the ball up and making solid contact and and you know that's the kind of hitter that i was i I would just hit line drives i wasn't worried about getting any loft on the ball this was well before any of this was coming on but um i was the type of guy that i just wanted to hit the ball right back at the pitcher every time that was my goal if i could hit a line drive and the pitcher had to jump out of the way that was my goal um it looks like that's what he's trying to do because from the launch angle it looks like he's barely over even but just enough to get it over that uh, that pitcher's mound. And I don't know, maybe that's what his uh, his end goal is. It's not that I don't buy what Hicks is doing, I guess. And originally, I don't know if this made the pod, but originally what I thought was that he had made a conscious change in his approach. And that approach was setting him up either count-wise or, or pitch-wise to get him a pitch that he could really punish. And of the home runs that he hit, he didn't have an extreme um, average distance on those home runs. He was just barely kind of getting him over the fence. The only thing that I really doubt for Hicks is his power. I just don't think, but how much power does he need to put up to be a relevant outfielder in today's game? Right. Well, I so mean, some, somebody give me an over under on his power and let's try not to talk about Hicks for 12 minutes. <laughs> I would say the over under needs to sit at 20 because if he consistently gets the amount of plate appearances he's getting now, there's a good opportunity he gets over. But there's also the chance right, for well, solid regression if, if he reverts back to some of his old habits i mean the guy has a 577 slug this year so far with which, with, which i guess which, i would with say that, only with that exit velocity runs. is almost impossible well <laughs> no it's, even, no it's whether not it's 88 like or 85 it's it's really really hard to achieve that type of, of slug with that low of an exit velocity and that ground ball to fly ball rate if it's just it's, it's so hitting tough the gaps though if you're hitting the gaps so he's got 11 doubles i mean he's getting a lot of extra base hits plus he's just a guy that's gonna have you know a little bit more luck when it comes to things like that because he's a little bit quicker. So Billy Hamilton will get a double on a single every now and then. Aaron Hicks will get a double on something that would be a single every now and then too. Um, not not comparing the two speed-wise. I'm just kind of throwing it out there like that. All right. So I, I will, I, I'm fine with 20 home runs. If I had to choose an over or an under, um, I guess... Honestly, I'll probably take the over. I think my little sister could hit 20 home runs in today's baseball in Yankee Stadium. So I'll take the right. over on 20 home runs. Uh, but if you're saying 25, I'm saying probably not. Like, just probably not. I don't think he's going to hit. You know, I would say a safe bet is is 18 to 22 home runs, which is fine. But I think there's a lot of players. I mean, Aaron Judge is going to be at 22 home runs next week, probably. Well, the only <laughs> thing is, is that, you know, you're discounting that he's got seven stolen bases so far this year. No, so I, if you're giving, I'm if not, you're giving him I'm, 18 to 22 home runs... You got to give him, let's say, six, 16 to 20 stolen bases, too. The, the only thing that I'm going to discount is his power. I don't think he has the power potential, to me, to be a standout outfielder. If he's going to steal 22 bases and give you 22 home runs, 
Absolutely. He should be owned in every league um, if he's going to start every single game, 100%. But I just don't, I don't buy in with his profile that he's going to hit over 20 home runs. All right, so let's talk plate appearances because the outfield there is crowded. Currently, I mean, you're kind of rotating Ellsbury and Gardner on the DL. It seems like one of them comes off the DL, the other one goes on to it. So there's a slot open in the outfield. But if everyone's healthy, where else do they play him? I think they play him over one of the other, the lefties. But the thing is, is I mean, he's played literally every game. I'm looking at his, his game chart. It's fourth, third, second, first, 31st, 30th, 29th, 28th, 27th, 26th, 25th, 24th, 23 Literally hasn't had a day off in the entire time. Um, 25th, he did have a day off. So, I mean, I, I don't think that he has any worries with that. If he hits this way, if he keeps hitting, I mean, guys oh, yeah. hitting 320 and, and a 570 slug, you're not putting that on the bench. You're not Mike, you know, Joe Torre isn't Mike Matheny. He's not going to just go, go bench a guy like Tommy Pham after after having three great games in a row and then just say, hey, you know what, kid, you're going to take the bench and we're going to put a, a, a guy out there with a with a 400 slug instead. You know, it's not how most most teams think. Unfortunately, the Cardinals do. All right. So the one weak spot that even if the whole outfield is there and they're all in the lineup, I have been hearing that Hicks has been using a first baseman's mitt, taking ground balls. There's potential for him to get some appearances there in the event everyone is healthy. I think just to get his bat in the lineup, that would be good, but I don't think adding first base eligibility is going to help any in any way for his fantasy value. No, probably not. But I mean, looking at this, he's played a third of the games that he did last year and pretty much runs, doubles, triples, home runs, RBI, walks, nearly every category he's matched or exceeded his totals from last year. So I would... And he's got, and he's got a one-to-one strikeout to walk this year so far. So, I mean, that's that's pretty damn good. So I think we're all hixed out on at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I kind of knew it was going to go a little longer on that one, so sorry about that, guys. It was it was spoken prodded until it got there. The next guy is going to be a, a starting pitcher. We're going to talk about a couple of those. First one's going to be Jimmy Nelson. He's uh, only 28% owned currently on uh, ESPN. You know, for the last 30 days, he's been nothing short of fabulous. He's two and one record, four quality starts, 32 and two thirds innings. He's got 40 strikeouts with a 1.93 ERA, a 1.13 WHIP, and a 6.6 strikeout to walk ratio. And that's that's something that if you've uh, followed Jimmy Nelson in the past, he's always had some issues with walks. If he can get those in line, he's always had some strikeout numbers that would boost up his his value. So what are we thinking about him so far this year? Well, the only thing that really scares me about Nelson is is maybe his home park. We, we talk a lot about Miller Park and, and what it can do to, to pitchers. Um, as far as his somewhat breakout potential, I think we saw some of this maybe last season kind of creeping up. And he's been uh, you know a little bit of an up and down pitcher, but I kind of buy into what he's doing so far. I mean, you, you kind of mentioned what he's done in the last 30 days. Nothing short of, of amazing. He's currently owned in, you know, probably about half of, of most leagues, about 30% on ESPN. With the, the landscape of pitching that we kind of talk about ad nauseum, I would say he's probably under-owned at that point. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah, he's definitely a guy that I, this last uh, week, I made sure was owned in all leagues that I was in. You know, his FIP is is even better than what his ERA is right now. So if you're looking at a season ERA at 3.36 and you're thinking, well, maybe he just had a good, you 
know, one month stretch for her, for the season. His FIP is at 3.03. So um, that's good. That's really I, good. I, that's what I'm saying. So I think that, you know, good things might be on the horizon for him. One thing to keep in mind is home run per nine rate is at, you know, the lowest it's ever been. So he, he's had a couple of years where it was similar to this, but it's not anything crazy out of the ordinary, but it's 0.8 right now. It was 1.3 last year. If he gives up another couple home runs, don't, don't be too concerned. His ERA might jump up a little bit because of that. But I think the overall skill set is going to be something that you're going to want to covet because, you know, guys that are striking out this much with that much control, um, they don't come around very often. And when they do, that's the guys that end up at the top of the draft for the next year. So I think he could easily do that uh, or start to creep up in that direction. It, it seems like he's kind of flipped the switch, as has Robbie Ray, uh, yeah. where they just cut out walks and they're cutting out. It looks like cutting out hits as well. Um, Nelson is getting hit. Well, he's getting hit pretty decent, but he's able to navigate even with runners on, which helps having an elevated strikeout rate. Yeah, exactly. And and the uh, lower walk rate is is the main thing to behind that because. Because if you're if you're getting them to put the ball in play and striking the you know guys out, but you're not giving them free bases, that's when all those base hits will come around to start hurting you. I think we talked about Robbie Ray earlier in the offseason, or uh, right at the beginning of the year, and uh, I brought up that you know that the strikeout rate is there, and that he, if he just could make an adjustment, I, I wasn't really sure what adjustment he needed to make other than obviously the walk rate. Uh, but if you could tweak a couple of things and, and hone it in a little bit and keep the strikeout rate similar to what it was and keep that walk rate down it's it would be something where he'd have a fantastic season and so far it's it's looked that way so i'm glad you brought him up because he wasn't someone that we were going to really specifically talk about but he's the guy that we probably need to uh touch on in another podcast for sure well, let me jump in real quick on on ray I don't mean to, to sideline us too long but oh, you're good. i tweeted uh, nick picoro which is one of the beat writers for the diamondbacks i i was curious the speed the pace of play that robbie ray was doing recently and i, I my question to him was is there a, a difference in his his pace of play at home versus on the road. Um, and, and Nick came back pretty quickly and said, no, not really a difference in home, home or on the road. But recently, so in his last three or four starts when he's been dominant, his pace of play, he's made a conscious effort to pitch quicker. I think Robbie, and this is just me speculating as, as watching him as much as I do, I think he's kind of in his own head. I think he nibbles, and my guess is he nibbles especially at home because of the park. Um, so I'm curious, now that he's coming back home off the road for three starts, um, you know, what his his pace is going to be. So that's something that I'm going to watch pretty closely in the next several outings. Yeah, I 100% agree on that. And that and that was the thing. The the pace, you know, what pitchers, when they, they have that thing and they're just thinking too much, that's what a lot of uh, hitting coaches and, and pitching coaches will tell you is just get out there and throw the damn ball or get out there and look at the ball and swing. Don't think about what your hands are doing. Just do it. Um, so that's that's a lesson to all, anybody out there that's actually playing still, which is probably doubtful, uh, except in, in slow pitch softball leagues probably (laughs) um but anyways so we got a little sidetracked uh another guy that i wanted to talk about is only uh 29 owned right now um last 30 days brad peacock has been dominating and came out of the bullpen kind of took a spot over i believe it was from mike fires um don't quote me on that one though uh but ever since he's uh been in you know coming over the last 30 days 1-0 1-0 record. Uh, he does have the one quality start. A couple of the other starts were, were damn good, but he just didn't go far enough into the game. But an eye-popping 27 strikeouts to uh, only 18 innings pitched. 
three ERA on the dot and a 0.94 whip uh, with four and a half strikeouts to walks. Some elite ratios that he can uh, help you with. And now that he's in the rotation, if he if he can keep up that strikeout rate of uh, 13.5% that he has this year, I think that's going to be something that uh, a lot of a lot of people are going to should covet. Um, at 29% owned, I think that he should be probably closer to about 60, 65% right now. What are you thinking, Keith? Well, he's not a young pitcher. I mean, he's a 29-year-old guy who's got a career uh, 295 innings in, in the big leagues. Um, so his 13.5% uh, K per nine right now is almost five strikeouts per nine above what his his last year was. He's really suppressed home runs this, this year, which is good to see, but I don't think it's sustainable at, at his current pace. I, I believe in, in what he's doing. I think he's one of the higher upside guys that are available um, in, in a lot of leagues. So, you know, I've been kind of recommending him as a, as a flyer recently, especially with that uh, that strikeout rate. His his walks haven't been uh, as, as bad while he's been starting as they were in the bullpen. So that's something that you really want to see. I think he's got a lot of upside. Um, I'm just, I think there's maybe a little bit of regression coming. Well, the one thing is, is that, I mean, regressor might be coming, but his FIP is actually lower than his, uh, his ERA is right now. His FIP for this year is 1.9. Um, I think that he's just missing a lot of bats. Um, I'm pulling him up on Brooks Baseball. Let me see. Let me see if there's anything different from this year versus last year. Um, that, that was that was going to be my question because if you look at just, I mean, the last several years, I mean, last year his FIP was 5.17 and his ERA was 3.69. So um, he's got a career FIP of 4.62. This year we're looking at, you know, below two. So is he who he is in his age 29 season or are we looking at a really rock solid you know the question that i have is has he done something to change what we're seeing it looks like his slider just came out of nowhere as dominant and his his sinker also looks like it's it's done very well so far i'm looking at whiff rate for his slider right now it's at uh 25 for march 23 for april 25 for may and so far for june 23 and then his sinker had a 17 in april dropped to six in may and this month so far it's 11 percent his curve look like looks like it's getting some solid whiffs i mean last year his slider percentage didn't have even one month where it was uh above 18 percent now there is one thing to keep in mind that i just don't think he's ever really received a full opportunity either because i mean he had the one year where he get he received 131 innings and and i might be wrong but was he injured in 2015 because he only pitched five innings in the major leagues and then came back last year and only threw 31. So yeah. I think it's something where maybe maybe he's had some injury. Maybe he just hasn't uh, received uh, as much attention. So he, he just didn't get his shot. But it looks like for whatever reason, he's done extremely well so far this year. He's only given up 4.6 hits per nine. Um, home runs per nine look like it's probably going to come back up a little bit. It's yeah. a zero, 0. 0.3 uh, yeah. right now. Um, but I mean, walks per nine are, are in line where they have been. It's just the bottom and strikeout rate so i just think that maybe he's doing something different with uh with how he's pitching it and uh and and how much he's how much he is pitching it let's see yeah it looks like he's and i think uh you know i'm I'm kind of talking regression here and not you know major regression but he's still available in i mean 50 percent available probably even in like cbs leagues uh yahoo leagues he's 30 percent owned in espn so i think he's worth an ad um i just i don't think he's a top 50 pitcher oh no i wasn't saying that but i mean at this point if if 
it keeps going in this direction, I think that you're going to have him in, in strong consideration for someone that is a top 50 pitcher. Yeah, so. I would rather own him just based on the upside than a lot of guys that are like, you know, 20 to 40 percent owned in your leagues. Exactly. Like and, Jesse Hahn or, you know, yep. some, someone someone in that range where you know what you're going to get every every start. But at the same time, you you know, you're not going to have any upside to it. Yeah, he's, he's a guy that I would add as a flyer, um, you know, ride it out for three or four starts if he if he tanks. And, you know, you can probably drop him if if not. I mean, you you may have just uh, found yourself a, a nice little gem here on the waiver wire. All right. Um, so I am done with the hot hitters for right now. Um, the, the cold hitters are, wow. There's a couple of them on here. One of them, I'm going to have to eat a little crow. Um, Ian Happ, uh, he's about 23% owned now, uh, after he's been dropped in, in several leagues. He's only batting 235, uh, with an on-base percentage of 325, uh, 10 runs, four home runs and nine RBIs, no stolen bases in the last 30 days. Just something brief on him, Keith. I guess I told you so. No, I mean, my doubts on Hap were two things. Um, The playing time, which he's probably getting more playing time than I expected, which is a good thing, um, and the batting average. So, you know, I I don't doubt that I think he's going to be an awesome player the next, you know, three or four seasons. I mean, I think he hit two home runs recently. He's a good all-around player, and I believe in him long-term. I just think that that it's it's pretty reasonable that major league pitchers um, can can probably get the best of him in the short term. And the Cubs, even though they have struggling hitters um, like Schwarber and other guys, are still going to mix and match to to some degree. So you know, no, nothing here. I mean, it's very possible that he hits another two home runs tonight, and we're talking about him in two more weeks as maybe the one of the most added players. So yeah, I agree with that for sure. Um, another guy is a hometown hero for you guys, right? Yasmani Tomas? I wouldn't say hero. <laughs> 49% owned in, Yahoo, or in ESPN. Um, 211 batting average. 263 on base. Wolf. Uh, seven runs, three home runs, and 12 RBIs, and no stolen bases over the last 30 days. Um, again, something something quick and brief on him because I think we uh, took a lot of Jeremy's time up on, on me so far. <laughs> If we're talking about hometown heroes, it's not going to be Yasmani. I think uh, Luis Gonzalez saved a, a lady from a, a burning car this past weekend. So that's that uh, he did. That's going to be our Arizona hometown hero. Who's that? Uh, Luis Gonzalez? I'm just joking. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a Cardinal fan. He remembers. Oh, man. that That's... Uh... No, Yasmani is kind of who we think he is. He's going to be a streaky hitter. He hits the ball really hard. Um, I, I think... I can't remember which one it is. He either dominates left-handed pitching or he dominates dominates curveballs. I can't remember, but he's in the top, you know, one, two or three in the league. But he's got holes in his swing. Um, it's definitely not curveballs, I think, because I see him whiff on that too much. It's lefties. So he crushes his lefties and he can't hit a curveball. He's got good exit velocity. Um, he's a really frustrating hitter to watch just because he seems like he falls asleep in pitches or he, he'll he just decide I'm going to swing at the first three pitches and they're like completely in the dirt. And so he's, he's not a very controlled hitter, which opens him up to a lot of streaks. He's going to go over, you know, two or three weeks and then he's going to want to tear and hit four or five home runs. Um, so he's not on one of those tears. And if he continues this pace, the Diamondbacks are probably going to start sitting him um, in certain scenarios to get different bats in the lineup because they do have other opportunities. Yeah, it seems like they've been sitting Chris Owings recently over uh, Nick Ahmed. So if they get uh, Tomas struggling any, even more than he is, I think they could probably put him out there in the outfield. Definitely possible. The next guy is going to be a shortstop, uh, 78% owned. So it's a little high for what we're doing today. But Troy Tulowitzki has uh, come off the DL and done absolutely nothing. 
192 batting average, a little bit, you know, done well with the on-base, but 323. Uh, only two runs scored, one home run, and four RBIs. I know it's limited uh, plate appearances. I think it was only about 25 or 30. But just something to keep in mind, you know, over the last few days, he, he just has, has not done very well. He's a guy that's always going to get injured, in my opinion. He's a guy that, you know, previously, if he was going to get injured for 50 games or even, you know, 70 games, he was going to give you production in those other 80 or 90 games. Uh, doesn't seem like he's doing that anymore, so I would try to stay away and maybe trade him away for some name value. At this point, uh, I, I don't think very many people are going to bite, but you might want to package him with somebody else and just work off that name value recognition. Keith, anything from you? I don't own any Troy Tulisky, and I don't think you should either. <laughs> Amen to that. I was just going to say amen, and I support that message. Next guy, we're going to go to some pitchers. I'm going to kind of quick hit these ones as well. There's been several struggling pitchers, so it's been pretty easy to uh, find some guys I definitely didn't like. First one's going to be Jose Quintana. Over the last 30 days, he's 0-3 with only two quality starts, 27 strikeouts, and 27 innings pitched, so he's looked okay there, but everything else has looked abysmal. A 7-7-67 ERA and a 152 whip. I hear those numbers are bad uh so what what do you think about this enigma that they call jose quintana because he's been a control guy and he, and he still kind of has you know solid strikeout to walk with 3.38 not the best but you know not terrible he, he's just kind of an enigma what are you thinking about him this year keith you do right up on him yet i haven't and i don't have enough stats to really tell you why i think he's a decent by low but i do think he's a decent by low he's got a long track record of being very consistent um the numbers that i'm looking at are kind of showing that he's he's not maybe not as bad as what that whip is is showing i'm somewhat interested in buying low on quintana well see my only question is is that quintana's never really like he's always been on the cusp of being an ace and like ace talk but he's never really done anything other than, you know, have have a kind of a low ERA. I don't really think that he's ever had a strikeout rate that's been that great. I'm going to have to pull him up. I just don't think he's ever done anything to justify the spots that he was being drafted at this year. And then this is the year that he decides to just tank it on you. And, and let me clarify, when I say buy low, I mean buy pretty low. I'm looking at his ownership. It's pretty universally owned. But if you were going to look for pitcher depth, he's given up 15 runs in his last six, seven innings. So that the, that owner may be looking to deal him. Um, that's kind of my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, for his career, he's got 7.5 strikeouts, 9. His, his strikeout to walk is 2.4. Or it, that's his walks per 9. Strikeout to walks is 3.15. So I just don't see what, what the big deal ever was for him. Yeah, he's sure he had a, a decent ERA and an okay whip, but he never really provided uh, any any strikeouts in, in the times that he's never even cracked 200. He barely cracked 180. And that's with throwing 200 innings for four straight years. I guess that was kind of his claim to fame. And it, it's uh, possible he ends up, you know, in a different jersey here, here relatively shortly. So it's it's kind of a risk where he's going to end up. He could go, you know, to the, to the AL East or, or even the NL West and not have very favorable matchups. To be fair, I don't think they're trading him anytime soon just because of where his value's at right now. I agree with that. Uh, but anyways, so the next guy, I have pumped up a couple of times on here, and I'm going to have to eat some crow because he has been terrible for you guys lately. 
Uh, Andrew Triggs has uh, gone one and three over the last uh, last 30 games, 30 days. Um, he does have three quality starts, but strikeout rates kind of in line where it's been all year. 21 strikeouts in 27 innings. His ERA is what's been inflated. His, his last game probably helped with that a lot. 4.67 ERA, 1.48 whip, um, 2.10 strikeout to walk. So that's something that he's always kind of struggled with. It's it's kind of keeping him back from, from taking that next step. What's the word on Andrew Triggs? <laughs> Again, not somebody I'm really interested in. He had a good start to the season, and it seems like he's regressed pretty pretty hard. I just don't think he's somebody that I want to invest in, not a buy low. Um, with his recent performance, he's probably you know dropped in, in a lot of your leagues, and he's not somebody I'm looking to add. Now, as a as a Triggs owner here, uh, yeah, he's been kind of rough the last, what, two weeks? I mean, he'd been able to manage to keep the ball in the ballpark. He gave up one homer over his first, pretty much the majority of the season. Up until the last four games, he's given up a home run in each start. It is cause for concern, but it's not like hitting the eject button yet. It's kind of, you bench him and see if he comes around. That way he's not negatively impacting you. And if he can sort things out, he's still probably a cheap source for most of your categories. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But at, at the same time, if he has, you know, one more bad start, um, man, I, I'm probably going to press that eject button because two of his last three are uh, five earned runs and six earned runs. So he's just not a guy that gets a lot of strikeouts or anything like that. So the fact that he's, he's had, you know, kind of a mediocre whip with a low ERA. I think that uh, the ERA is going to become inflated here very shortly. Yeah, very possible. The next guy is a, a Cardinal, and it, it pains me to say this, uh, was doing very great at the beginning of the year. Michael Waka has a 50, 58% owned right now. Um, he's 0-2, two quality starts, 25 uh, strikeouts to 23 innings pitched, and a 6.56 ERA, a 1.76 whip, and a 1.79 strikeout to walk. One more time, woof. That is bad. <laughs> I just don't even know what to say about him. He's just a guy that he's lost it. He came up out of his first year out of college and he dominated in, in the playoffs, wasn't it? And he just, he, they called it Walktober and it was a joyous thing. And, and now at this point of, the, of his career, we don't know if his shoulder blade is going to hold up. What are you thinking about him, Keith? I'm a little depressed. Well, I, and eyeballing, uh, you know, some buy lows for today's show, he actually kind of came up on my radar. I, I don't know that I'm going to go a full buy low on, on Waka, but I, I think his numbers, or he's not as bad of a pitcher as he's been pitching lately. So um, given the options in, in free agency, he's a guy that I might take a shot on. I'm with you on that, other than the fact that it makes me depressed to watch any Cardinals game right now because their offense is pathetic and he's just going to get a lot of losses and no wins but other than that on the bright side i am done with the hot and cold hitters and pitchers excellent it is time for the mailbag mailbag dig on in and let's see first question today is kind of a follow-up to a segment last week would trading my Corey seager and chris archer be crazy for trout in a dynasty league and this comes in from andy i would like to know a little bit more about his position in the league, whether he's obviously, you know, trying to buy now or, you know, sell off some pieces for the future. So um, Andy's actually currently in fourth place in his league. He's got a real solid chance 
this year, and he's set up for the future pretty well as well. I don't think I would make that trade then if I was him. He's getting Trout. Yeah, he'd be getting he'd Trout. He'd be getting Trout, getting rid of Seager and Archer. I don't I don't think I'd do it if I'm in fourth place. If I'm in, let's say, eighth place, I think I'd make that trade. Does Mike Trout is it, a big name, but so is Corey Seager. He's also the Correa owner, if that makes any, any impact on the, on the deal. It, it does, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to overpay. I might trade Seager for something else that helps me this year. So my thoughts are, I love the trade if he's out of it this year and looking to play for 2018. Agreed. But I worry that the lack of at-bats and production you're going to get from Trout the next six or eight weeks is going to hurt his potential to win this season. What size so, league is it? I don't know, probably 10 or 12. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't know what the details on, on how big it is, but I, I still am okay with the deal. Honestly, to own Trout in a dynasty league is is going to be a lot of fun for the next five or 10 years. Do I think he can make that deal and win this year? Probably not. But in fourth place, I don't know what his standings look like. He's probably got a you know, a 15 to 20% chance of winning this year with Trout next year. Maybe his, in, in, you know, his odds increase uh, quite a bit. So I, I'm definitely in favor of that long-term Short term, I think it definitely hurts his chances of, of making a run. Yeah, I agree 100% with that. On to our next question. Should I pick up Ahmed Rosario and stash him, or is it too soon? And this comes in from Juan. So again, I think that kind of depends on what the roster construction and what the league is. If some of these guys are owned, like like Mancata, like Reese Hoskins, Lewis Brinson, Franklin Barreto, if those guys are owned in that league, I'm definitely picking him up because I think he's kind of smack dab in the middle of that group for best opportunity for production for 2017. If they're not owned, then you probably have an opportunity of waiting longer and picking up one of those guys when they either get the call or when they get uh, closer to uh, to the middle of June. My only thing is, is that he probably brought up Rosario just specifically because he needs shortstop help. So if, if I'm in that situation, I would definitely pick him up right now, but I would probably rather have Franklin Barreto longer term, even for this year. I don't, I just don't think that Franklin Barreto comes up as early. I, I know I called it earlier this year that I think he's going to be up this sometime in June, but I, I really think Rosario is going to be coming up sometime within the next week or two because that team is just miserable, and I can't stand watching his dribble Cabrera play shortstop because that's that's not a shortstop. I, I know their fans and their their coaches and things like that are sure having the same problems. So to long story short, this thing I would definitely uh, pick up Rosario right now, but I would keep an eye on the future if you had a different spot available for Franklin Barreto. He would be a guy that I would prefer over a Rosario this year. On to our next question coming in from ND12th Man. I have Ian Kinsler on the DL. Do I drop him and pick up Danny Valencia? Yikes. How, how desperate are you is really the question. I mean, if if you're going to drop Ian Kennedy, I think I would probably have to have something Kinsler, better than... Kinsler, Kinsler, not Kennedy. Or, yeah, Kennedy, Kennedy. Um, Kinsler. Okay. <laughs> Kinsler. Uh, Ian Kinsler. Uh, if I was going to drop him, I think I would rather pick someone up uh, other than um, Danny Valencia, but I just, I don't know what's really out there in this guy's league, so I would say no. I wouldn't be happy enough um, doing that because the upside is just not there. Um, Kinsler can come out of nowhere and and just dominate for a couple of months and get back in line where he was last year. So I don't know. I, I, I probably would keep Kinsler right now, but, you know, begrudgingly. If you're in a tough spot, and I don't, it sounds like this is a pretty shallow league if you're considering dropping Kinsler. I, I would think that in most leagues, he should have some type of value, even on the disabled list. 
So you might look for a, a two-for-one trade um, to open up a roster spot and then maybe grab somebody off waivers if you need somebody to, to slot in there. But I wouldn't just drop him. I think his rest of season value is too high to just be sat out there on, on waivers. So, uh, and, and, and again, if this is kind of a shallow league, there's got to be better players or higher upside players than Danny Valencia to, to make that replacement. So for me, I'm not going to drop him, and I may look to trade him or target somebody else with, with a lot more upside if you're going to make that many quick moves. Agreed. I, I would definitely try to find someone who would want even a buy low on Kinsler in order to open up a slot. Just, I, I don't I don't see dropping guys like that as being necessary. Anyway, uh, let's see. And our last question. Curious, coming in from Walt. In a standard 5x5, would you rather go after Pilar or Odubel Herrera for the rest of the season i think i'd go with pilar on that one just the fact that the stolen base upside he's shown in the past and now this year he's starting to show a little bit of power plus that lineup and ballpark i think it's pretty clear that i would go pilar i'm gonna agree i didn't know that you were gonna go pilar there but i i am as well odubel seems like a different hitter this year i know he's on a pretty good stretch right now hitting for power but i think pilar his home run potential is somewhat sustainable he's not gonna hit you know 25 like he's kind of on pace for right now or or 22 like he's on pace for but I, i agree with you phil his his potential in steals is is immense and he's hitting in a leadoff spot for an offense that's been underperforming for the better half of of you know this season and they're starting to wake up so i think he's gonna definitely give you a lot of runs he can steal and still give you possibly 20 home runs so i'm gonna go pull out all right and that'll wrap up the mailbag on to our next topic keith all right so i wanted to kind of discuss some buy low options we're pretty deep into the season right now and let's talk about some hitters that are underperforming or some pitchers that are underperforming forming that we may be able to target to improve your your position and your standings so the first one we don't have to talk about too long but it's manny machado machado has been underperforming quite a bit i know he's off to a, a decent power stretch what do you guys think of manny machado so far we were talking about him off air and and i probably used most of the good stuff there so it's not going to sound as genuine this time but i just don't think that, that he's the same hitter it seems like that he's trying too hard not making as much contact his line drive rates down this year compared to his career average he's got a a lot of things working in his uh and not in his corner now his BABIP is is down quite a bit this year but you know it's something to do with how hard you're hitting the ball too and and Keith was talking about he's got a, a hard high up there for his average exit velocity but and then we were talking about the soft contact rate I think that you know sometimes if if you hit the ball hard and 110 miles an hour and then you hit 185 miles an hour or 65 miles an hour you know those average out to be whatever it is you can hit the ball harder on one end and and not as as soft as a normal soft contact and kind of make it look like that you're overall a little better than maybe you are i'm not saying that that's actually the case but i'm just saying that's how math actually works you know sometimes At, at this point, you know, his, his advanced stats on uh, Baseball Reference were showing me a couple of things with his ratios. And so, like, his strikeout rate is up this year uh, compared to his career average. So he's at 21% this year, which Keith was saying it's not a big deal. But when you're at 17% for your career, I mean, a, a jump in 4% is actually quite, quite a bit. Walk rate is actually a little up this year. So it looks like he's becoming more of a three-true outcomes type of guy. The balls in play percentage is actually down to 64% from 71% for his uh, 
uh, career. And, and the major league average in that's actually 67. So he's, he's below average in that range, below average in line drive rate, 21%. I just don't think that he's really doing anything too great. That home run to fly ball rate is, is what's keeping, keeping his, the value that he does have uh, is 12 home runs, but he's got a 15.8% home run to fly ball rate too. So um, I know you said be brief, but that wasn't very brief. That's fine. The, the things that I, I look at where I think he has good potential of a little bit of a bounce back his BABIP is pretty low, you know, for somebody of his of his stature and what he his batted ball profile is. His exit velocity is elite. His hard contact is elite. His ground ball to fly ball rate is is about even, which is good for like a line drive hitter that you kind of want to see. He's not, you know, too crazy in, in one direction. So those are the things that I look at. I guess the, the reason why I put him on this list, because he's owned in every single league, you know, you might laugh at, okay, what's a buy low on Machado? But his perception value is way down right now. I, I ran a, a poll earlier in the season with the, the top four shortstops, and he was, I think, running away with, you know, rest of season value. If I ran that poll again tomorrow, he may be towards the back of that pack behind Seager, um, behind Correa, and behind Lindor. Where, where do you guys have him right now as far as value within those four? Uh, that's going to be pretty tough. I think I would still and take I, I still think take Machado over all of them, but that's more track record than anything. I don't I don't see anything in the the profile this year that it is you know telling me that he's going to actually turn it around. It's just that stubbornness I think makes me keep him there. And, and this is just kind of a perceived value thing. I, this is a great opportunity, especially in dynasty leagues, to buy low on Machado. I, I from what I hear from everybody, the polls that I run, kind of some of the the stats that I throw out there, it seems like the perception value on Machado is is pretty low right now. So if you believe in him long term, which which I do, and it sounds like you guys do as well, now might be a good opportunity for him. There, there is like his, his strikeouts. There's some things that are concerning, but I, he's still hitting the ball really, really hard. Um, and, and he's got a lot of good outlying numbers from, from what I'm looking at. I agree. He is a buy low. I would be buying in if I could find him available. Yeah. All right. So the next guy that I wanted to, uh, to talk about is Miguel Cabrera. Again, kind of, you know, we're not going buy lows as far as pickup on waivers. We already talked about that. We're talking about as far as trade targets and somebody that you may be able to acquire to help your team kind of rest of season that's maybe not putting forth the effort or the, not the effort not putting forth the production that we expect for them so Cabrera is somebody that kind of jumps off the page to me I ran a stat earlier in the week let's see if I can pull it up here so of the hitters qualified hitters with above a 92 mile an hour average exit velocity he's the only one that doesn't have double digit home runs and he only has five well he's been injured what of, quali- of qualified hitters of qualified hitters huh. so he still has a really good chance at that of qualified hitters I mean, he's had a strange season because he's got a lot of strikeouts this year, too. And he typically doesn't strike out that much. His strikeout rate is up. Um, A few things that really jump off the page to me is his exit velocity is elite. His hard contact rate, I think he leads uh, leads the league in line drive percentage. He's third in hard contact rate. Um, He's just, he's still Miguel Cabrera. But he's 35th overall on ESPN's player rater at first base. 35th. There's 34 other better performing first basemen. The tide has to change for Cabrera. there's somebody in your league that that thinks he's maybe age regressing or he's not the same hitter that he was, I still do think he is the same hitter. And it wouldn't shock me if he rattles off, you know, five or 10 home runs in, in the next 20 to 30 games. Yeah, there's a good chance he gets hot really soon and just goes off. Uh, I still see him approaching 30 home runs on the season. I know that's a long shot, but he's got the penchant for just going off and putting up five, six, seven in a week. A- absolutely. His, his career, put it this way, his career, 
career home run to fly ball rate is 13.1 this season it's 6.7 and and his, and and as you were saying his line drive rate right now is 37 percent that's not uh me mispronouncing 37 um major league average is 21 so he's nearly double the major league average on line drive rate he's getting extremely unlucky right now he's someone that if you can buy which i doubt you can at a, a very cheap price um or even at a slight discount i would definitely go all in on uh on a miggy deal right now yeah not not to not to pull a jeremy and correct your stat there but i will um it's 30.7 percent <laughs> for a line drive percentage not 37 percent, but still the next closest person to him is is like 26 percent or something like that so he's still i'm quite on a bit. i'm on uh, baseball reference looking at their line drive percentage so your line drive rate is uh, oh, okay it's different than mine so <laughs> all right so again 30, thir- I'll, actual 37 uh, percent i'll qualify here so line drives on baseball reference and line drives on fan graphs are considered differently so i think they lump that into the fly ball category so again you got to kind of look at where you're looking at the stats but um hate that it does that but it does yeah but he's overall regardless of whether it's 30 percent or 37 percent he's the number one in baseball yeah, and it's insane. he's number he's number three in hard to hit rate he's number one in, in line drives he's number like four or five in exit velocity um he's got a good uh his, his babip's okay I, I just think he's you know if you're talking about hitters that could have the best month of june he's towards the top of the list for me so what you're saying this is that everything yeah you want machado to be is exactly what mcgee is being because yeah that's 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 pretty much what you would want machado to be out right now and he's not doing that but miggy is and you got him probably a round or two later all right so just just for argument's sake i'll, I'll just uh, throw this out there to, to try and spin up some debate here rest of the season miguel cabrera or aaron judge cabrera <sighs> Yeah, I'd have to lean Cabrera also. There, There is regression coming, and there's also ascension on Miggy's part. So, if you were if you were a judge owner, would you take that? Would you take that deal? It depends on my team construct, but uh, probably. I mean, that's the the prototypical sell high, buy low. Even though, even though Judge, you're not okay. So you're selling high on him because you don't see that he's going to hit. 60 home runs this year but um i do still see a lot of things in him that i like it's just that you know i think people see the sell high part and they say that oh you have to go trade him right now and that's not you know not what i'm saying if you can get miggy for him though that's a completely different hitter that's that's one of the best hitters of our time so that's a no-brainer i agree agree with that all right so the now we'll switch over to the uh the pitching side of things and let's talk about jeff samarja so my opinion we do (laughs) and that and that's exactly why i think my opinion of Jess Samarja coming into this year was not a very good one. I thought he was almost an unrosterable pitcher. Um, he's never been a guy that I've been too interested in buying in on. Uh, what do you guys think? Before I kind of give the, the positives, or what I think is positive, what do you guys think of Samarja? I think I dropped him earlier in this year whenever he had an inflated ERA and no strikeouts and then he went on a streak where I think he struck out like 12 guys in like three or four games in a row. A little bit unhappy with him at the moment. Me and him are not on good terms. You guys aren't friends? All right, so I'll give you a couple couple things of why I think Jeff Samarja is a good buy low candidate. Um, I think he's available in 20% of ESPN leagues, which means in CBS and Yahoo, he's probably um, completely owned, um, but still a, a trade target. So his FIP, we talk about uh, FIP a lot. It's the fielding independent pitching 
It's kind of taking out all the, the luck factors in what ERA has. His FIP is a full run and a half lower than what his ERA is to date. That's wow. a huge difference. So his his FIP is 3.15 as compared to a, a four and a half ERA that he's he has so far. Yeah, so that's, over, the, that's, over the last five games, he's been really dominant. I mean, he's allowed three runs on a couple occasions, but he's been getting really deep into games, had eight strikeouts in a, three games in a row. So uh, he's, he's one of those fence guys where you don't know if which Samarji you're going to get for any duration of the time. So I'll give you one more stat that I look at a lot that I really value. It's strikeouts minus walks. Um, we've probably talked about it on the podcast before. The leaders right now in the MLB is is Chris Sale at a positive 102, which is no surprise to anybody. Number two on that list is, is Scherzer at a positive 82. Kershaw's at a positive 81. Grinke's at a positive 76. And then Jeff Samarja is a positive 73. Is number five on that list. Wow. So his his strikeouts are, are really, he's walking less batters than he has um, in a while. He's striking out a lot. I think he's a really, really good buy low candidate. If there's somebody in your league that doesn't believe in him, I would target him immediately. I feel probably stronger about this take than I have since the Greg Bird take. Wow. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, can I give you a slight challenge? Because his strikeout rate this year is the highest it's ever been at 32 years old. His walk rate for a full season uh, is lower this year than it's ever been um, at 32 years old. I just don't know how he's supposed to sustain this i don't know is it something where he's he's just throwing different pitches or and and that's kind of thing he doesn't have to sustain it i think you know what i'm pointing at is that he's been extremely unlucky in the era category he his his fip is 3.15 i don't think he's a three era pitcher i think he's probably a three five era pitcher but the strikeouts that he's going to give you is 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 you know near elite and i think he's a better pitcher this year than he's been in several years We've seen this type of production from him before, just not recently. He plays in a, a really good park. He's in a tough division. You know, I think that NL West is probably a tougher division to pitch in than the AL East. Unpopular opinion, but I think it's it's nearing truth. And, uh, you know, I just think I, he's a good target right now. People need pitchers. He's available in some leagues, which is crazy. And I think you can buy him for pretty cheap, and he'll be a good number number two, number three starter for you. All right, you've got one last name for us here with Salazar? or Yeah, Salazar, this isn't like a stat-based take. This is more of, I think, he's being demoted to the bullpen basically as a wake-up call. Um, we saw something similar last year in Ruby De La Rosa before he was injured. He was struggling. He was shaking off the catcher a bunch. They demoted him to the bullpen, and he just started throwing darts. You know, Salazar is a, a young pitcher. He's had command issues. He's had nibbling issues, kind of we talked about with Robbie Ray. I think this could be a wake-up call. I don't see an immediate path back to starting. They kind of speculated that he could start this week, and it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. But I don't think it's going to be long-lived in the bullpen. And I think when he comes back, um, it may be a little shot in the arm. The talent's definitely there. He just is very frustrating to own from a whip standpoint. And, you know, he kind of burns you from time to time. Also, if you're looking for wins or quality starts, he gets none of them because he never makes it past five innings. <laughs> I, I agree with that. He, he's a guy that I'm not I'm not high on. I don't think, I don't like Salazar. In fact, prior to him being demoted, I want nothing to do with him. I think this may hopefully wake him up a little bit and force him to throw some more strikes. He's got the stuff to do it. It's it's you know kind of a situation like with Robbie Ray, where when he's walking guys, he's unownable. When he's in the zone and striking guys out, he's a top 20 pitcher. 
All right, so through two uh, bullpen outings for him, uh, he's had no walks and four Man, strikeouts. It's, like, it's, it's two it's it's two innings or two plus innings, something like right. that. So I don't want to read too much into it. I just think that if he gets dropped, like in 50% of your leagues, if you're talking about a flyer, I mean, there's not much better of a flyer to pick up if he makes it back to the rotation and starts throwing strikes. Um, he's got top 20 upside. Valid take, valid take. All, All right. right, that's it for my, uh, my buy lows. All right. Well, that'll bring us down to, well, we're missing Todd this week. We had to put him back on the DL with some blisters, I believe. So <laughs> He's got that Rich Hill uh, Rich Hill injury, huh? Yeah. Alright, so this week, we're going to recap the predictions. Last week, we had Todd said Chris Davis would lead the league with four home runs. He only hit two. Phil, you said Arenado would hit four. He hit two. Keith, you said Bruce would hit three. He hit one. I picked Cruz to hit four. He hit two. What, what? Best in the league was Springer with five, so Todd, Phil, and myself all get a point tying for the best prediction on the show. Alright, down to stolen bases. Nobody's picked stole bases except for Phil <laughs> with Billy Hamilton stole two, not the eight that was predicted. Can we just stop using Billy Hamilton, or do, <laughs> do you guys get one one week of Billy Hamilton and then we're done? I, I, think, think, uh, I think everybody gets one week, yeah. Yeah, everybody gets one week. The best of the week was Mr. Trigger Trey Turner with five. So Phil will get a point for that for having the only stolen bases of the week. And led the league in hits. Everybody had less than 10 except for Phil, who chose Altuve, who had 13. Springer had the best of the week with 15. So the new leaderboard, drumroll please, Todd is on the board with one. Keith sitting at three. I'm sitting at two. And our new leader is Phil with four points. Oh, wow. (laughs) Nice Owen Wilson there. (laughs) All right, so, Keith, where are we going with uh, home runs this week? Uh, I'm going to go with Miguel Cabrera. We talked about him on the show as far as just being extremely unlucky. I got Cabrera with four home runs. Phil. Let's go K-Riss with three. Oh, Keith, you took my choice. Took- I can't pick Miggy for a buy low and then you steal him for a prediction. That's not fair. Oh, I know, right? You did give him the opportunity to do it. You could have said yours first. I did. Just, just, I did. I mean, I, I mean, I'm just saying. So for the rest of the year, uh, he's going to give all three of his <laughs> predictions did. first? Yeah. <laughs> I'll go with Ozuna with three. I like it. I'll give you double points if that happens. <laughs> All right, stolen bases. Keith? I got Peraza with four. Phil? VR. That's absolutely miserable. And I'll be honest with you, I out of rage, I dropped uh, Jonathan VR team uh, <laughs> that I was co- that I was co-managing with my oh, cousin. Oh, man. <laughs> How did that go? So he, he did not take it very well, but he was talking about a trade, and I said, I don't want to trade for that guy. And basically, rage came over me, and I said, you know what? Now we don't have Jonathan VR anymore, so now we don't have to worry about that trade. <laughs> and then I and then I pretty much instantly regretted it. So um, try not to black out with rage and drop players off your own team. That's, All right, that's my, that's my public service announcement to you this week. Okay, so yep. VR will have how many stolen? Uh, let's go with three. I'll go with Jose Ramirez with three also. All right, and who will be our hits leader this week? Keith? I'm going to go with Matt Carpenter. Again, an unlucky guy who I think is going to turn it around pretty quickly. I'm going to go with Carpenter with 15 hits. Phil? Charlie Blackman's going to get a baker's dozen, so we're going with 13. Wow, that's kind of ballsy there. Uh, You know, let's let's continue on with the hot hand and go Elvis Andrus with uh, 14. I like it. All righty. Well, that'll be uh, the predictions for this week. Where 
can the people find you all? Oh, well, let's just not blow this opportunity. We have a website. Find us at fanfrontofficepodcast.com. We're going to have all sorts of stuff going up there. We've got Keith's early season rankings. We've got the new player profiles that Keith is working on. And most of us are going to be kicking in some new articles and stories and everything else coming up throughout the week. And of course, you can find the podcast there each new episode. So I want to take a real quick second and uh, offer a, a pod podcast only offer out here. So I started doing player profiles a, a few weeks ago and I got a bunch of requests. I haven't had the time to fulfill all of those requests, um, but what I do in these, these hitter profiles is I break down, kind of try and predict what the future is going to look like for those guys. Have they been unlucky? Is what they're doing sustainable? And try and give you guys some insight into the value of each one of these players digging pretty deep in there. Um, so what I'd like to offer to any one of you guys who want to take me up on it is I will do a, a hitter profile on any qualified hitter that you guys want as long as you guys leave us a podcast review on iTunes. So if you're listening to this and you leave us a review, tweet at me or DM me the review on iTunes and, uh, and, and let me know which player you want me to do a, a review on and I will set you up on a player profile of your request. Make sure it's a screenshot of the review after it's posted. A screenshot Correct. of the of the five star review. Yes. Correct. <laughs> no no two star reviews will get you a player profile. They, they will get you uh, a middle finger emoji. No, that'll get you a Joey Gallo player profile. <laughs> Used car salesman. Inside joke. You can find me at fantasy underscore Keith and uh, also probably in the, the doghouse since we ran a little late tonight. Oof. All right, Phil, where can they find you? At the Baseball Jedi is where I'm located on Twitter. And uh, like you said, I'll be writing a couple of things. I have a couple ideas that are should be posted this week. All right. And as always, you can find Todd at Goldie Happens. And I have been Front Office Jer. And we have been the Fantasy Front Office. <laughs>